I do want to say a special word of thanks to District Superintendent Connie Shelton for preaching last week. I was able to watch uh, her sharing and uh, know that you were deeply encouraged and blessed by that. We started a sermon series two weeks ago, uh, Summer in the Psalms. If, if you've been following our Bible reading plan, we finished up our three-year plan. And so this summer, we're reading through one or two psalms a day. I want to encourage you to go on our website, or you could go on readpraylovedaily.com. Uh, Ben's put together for us not just readings, but videos that will help you learn about the psalms, as well as ways to sing the psalms, do family devotionals together. So I want to encourage you to, to read through those psalms with us, and we'll be preaching through those uh, this summer. I didn't have as much time for introduction last week, and I don't have enough time this morning, but just as a reminder to us, these songs, these psalms, really are not only the Old Testament's hymn book, they're the hymn book of Jesus. We will find him quoting psalm after psalm after psalm, reaching for and remembering great biblical truth, but also there's just something about music that, that deepens our adoration. I could preach for two to three hours at Christmas time. I'd never get close to what Lori and our choir can do at that cantata. Those truths about who God is and his great love for us, there's something about songs uh, to help us and, to, and not only to encourage us and bless our praise, but what we're finding out today is also to, to, to make some separation for us about who God is. Ben's done that in his singing. There, there's, there's, there's God who is good, not evil. There's God who is caring, not impersonal. We do that with our songs. 1958. Any of you in here remember the teddy bears? To know him is to love him. Yeah, some of y'all know that, right? Or if you grew up in cheesy pop 80s music like me, what's the verse? My love, there's only, one, there's only you in my life. Endless love, right? I'm thinking about a music festival in the early 2000s, North Mississippi. Thousands in attendance for that festival. And it's the last time I played a musical performance on my acoustic guitar. And I was singing songs about the Lord, but also sang some songs about Sarah. I say thousands in attendance. I was the first person. I think there were 12 people and two dogs when I got up there. <laughs> and the dogs left, if that tells you anything. Uh, this is who she is. This is who she is not. This is what she means to me. We make, we make that kind of line. This is the only girl for me, right? Uh, it's not all that the Psalms are about, but you sure see it here. A clear line. This is who the Lord is. These are basic things. They're very following along in your notes. You know this. This is Theology 101. This is Vacation Bible School for Adults. Unfortunately, I have no snacks or crafts for you today, okay? But let's walk through these. What do we see about our God? Just in those first couple of verses and in our last verse, verse 16, we see that he is omniscient, that he's all-knowing. And you say, well, I know that. Many don't. I've sat in, in, in one of my first services I remember sitting in at a guest preacher preaching as I was in sixth grade. We had just moved to Mississippi, and he talked about how God was surprised by things, that God was in process. I mean, I'm, I never listened to sermons. I wasn't saved till just before high school. During church, we were passing notes, talking about how junkyard dog got cheated by the freebirds. We were wrestling. I mean, we, we didn't think anything about 
the sermon, but I heard that. Did you just say God doesn't know everything or even doesn't even know every possible thing that could have been as well as what will be? The scriptures are clear. What you see in this song and psalm from David is that God knows all. Listen, we're not as well known as we ought to be to one another. We need to get better about that. Admit it. Whether you're a student or adult, you take a picture for social media, how many do you actually take before you use them? Right? You have a waiter take a picture of your family, what does he say? He or she say, here's your picture. I took several of them. Why? Because he knows you're going to want to get the best one and put that one out there. God knows all the best and what's not best. Job heard from a friend who said in Job eleven seven, can you search out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol. What can you know? But then God answers to Job out of the whirlwind, whirlwind in Job 38, 16 through 18. Have you entered the springs of the sea or have you walked in the search of the depths? Have, you, have the gates of death been revealed to you or have you seen the doors of the shadows of death? Have you comprehended the breadth of the earth? Tell me if you know all of this. Because God does. We don't always get the answer that we want. But what a word of, of encouragement to us that the God of the universe, the living God, knows it all. And even, even at, and you're going to see this in 16 and, and elsewhere, even when we pass, it should be a comfort to us because it's right here in Scripture, he's ready to receive us. He knows our days. So he's waiting not just for us, but he's, but he's ready to minister to family and to friends after us. What a good God we serve that he knows all things. And some of us, maybe like David, have hidden sin in our life. And we're not bringing it to him. He knows it. And David found out when he made his confession in Psalm 51 and elsewhere that God was good, already knew but received it. Is there something you need to bring to God today? I know you know all things, but I have not been real with you. We're a culture since Genesis 3. We're really good at hiding. But God, I, I want to be real with you. You know all things. Would you search me? Or maybe it, it just needs to be an encouragement to you in your anxiety. Where, where maybe others aren't listening to you. Others are not caring for you. But you see this picture of a God who knows it all and loves us anyway. He is all-knowing. But drop down to verses 7 through 10. We see that he is omnipresent. That he's all-present. Now listen, we want to go back to verse 2 and remind ourselves, because again, there's this line of who God is and who he is not, and it's pushing back against every other faith system at this point. This God, as David says, I know you are afar. You, you perceive my thoughts from afar. This God, although he is present, he is separate from creation. He is not, he is not of creation though he is everywhere, whereas the other gods would say God's in everything. He's in the trees, he's in the cows, he's in you. Our God is distinct from his creation. 
But it's a great reminder to us, there's nowhere we can go to get away from God. And David, you just go through those verses. He names all those places. If I were to go up here, if I was even to go down here. And listen, you and I might think, hey, I'm in church. I can meet God here. Or I'm with my small group or Sunday school class and I can meet God there. But I love what David says in verse 8 and verse 11. In the depths, in the darkness. The holy God, the God who has no darkness in him, and you're going to see in a minute, darkness is his light to him. That God would go there, yes. David knew that. David knew what it was to be in the depths of despair. He also knew what it was to be in the darkness and lost in sin. And God always came to him. I know I shared this story with you all about five or six years ago, but I was sharing it with uh, the Salt and Light team at their commissioning the other night, so I, I was reminded of it. But in 1992, 1993, I think it was the first or second year that Galloway United Methodist Church had their missions fest downtown. I was the youth pastor over at St. Mark's, and we joined with them and had a basketball camp at the old YWCA by Eudora Wealthy Library. And it, it was bad. We had probably 30 or 40 inner city kids there, but in that gym, there was no air conditioning. There was only one basketball goal. The bathrooms didn't work. We'd have to walk them in Mississippi heat around the corner over to the library. And, and it was so hot in that gym that the kids were just on edge. They were already just kids and competitive, but the minute a kid would get fouled, he'd be tired and hot. And so he'd, he'd start yelling at the other player. And actually, not just yelling, we had to fight every, every morning, every afternoon. Kids, kids were throwing punches. It was, it was a brutal week. So the next year, when we couldn't secure a gym downtown that had air conditioning, we ended up taking them to another Methodist gym. We took them to a Methodist church at a gym that was very nice. And we told these kids these verses. You were created. You were fearfully and wonderfully made by God. He put you together with his own hands. And so we're going to respect and value one another. We're not going to fight. Nobody's going to hit each other or yell at each other. Day one, nobody did that. There were no fights. Day two, no fights. Day three, no fights. Day four, no fights. And so I got up at the praise service down at Galloway and gave praise to God that he had kept these kids from violence all week long. Day five. <laughs> Morning, no fights. Afternoon, no fights. They're putting away the basketballs at the end of the basketball camp. And this little child, his name was Tyrone, and years later I got to talk with him and meet with him in the, in the inner city. He's putting away his basketball and rear back and just slapped, open hand slapped one of our counselors, one of our students, and took off running outside. So I, I ran outside with him. And I said, Tyron, what's, what's going on? Why, why would you do something like that? He said, well, he had called me a name when we were playing a game. We got competitive, and he disrespected me. And I said, well, you, you can't act like that. You can't do that. And I'm trying to console him because actually he's crying at that point. So I just kind of put my... My hand's on his shoulders, right? Trying to encourage him and tell him it's going to be okay. We're going to need to apologize. But listen, man, we love you. And then I heard the noise. I heard the doors burst open behind me. And it wasn't 30 or 40 kids from the inner city. It was about 70 or 80 kids we had at the camp that year. And here's me. Here's Tyrone. And it looks like my hands are around his neck. And I'm thinking Gulliver's Travels. <laughs> Like, they're going to come get the giant and take me down, right? 
And they came up, and they were saying words you should not say. You could see the anger on the face. And I saw the, the leader of the pack. I never got his full name. He talked to me about um, his brothers in prison. He talked to me about that. But he told me his name, which is the greatest name I've ever heard. It's the greatest nickname of all time. Cool man. That's great. I'm cool man. Well, he was at the front. He was snarling and cursing and raised his fist. And here I am with Tyrone like, it's game over. And he reared back and he punched Tyrone right in the face. And I said, thank you, Lord. Wait, that's wrong. <laughs> I grabbed that kid, grabbed Tyrone, and I literally had to throw him into a church van and shut the door. And they were slapping on the van, yelling at Tyrone. How dare you do that? They came here for us. They came here for us. Depths, darkness, the other gods could care less about you. God who has no darkness in him, I'll come get you. I'm not going to let you stay there. We're going to do something about this. But he's, he's all present. Always reaching, always searching. It's a good, good reminder us wherever we are today in our hurt, in our sin, God won't let us stay there, but he'll come to us in our depths and our darkness. We'll come back to this in just a minute. Let's go down to verses 12 through 16. He's also omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Verse 12 suggests something as scary as darkness is nothing to God. It is light to him. And you also see in these verses and following verses just the glory of his creative power. And again, there's this line. Eastern mysticism, new age, would say that all of this reality is an accident. It's, it's not even real. It's a lower vibration that just happened and the gods didn't care about it or, or make it happen. It's maya, it's illusion, and someday it's just going to be absorbed back up into Atman Brahman or the, the great cosmic consciousness in the sky. But this lower vibration, time and space, wasn't supposed to happen. It doesn't matter. And I love what David says about the power of God. Not only can he overcome darkness, um, but again, this, this care, and Ben talked about it, this intimacy of God, who sometimes we think in our sin and our stuff just doesn't want anything to do with us. He, he not only has stepped into creation and, and absorbed our suffering, took it into himself in Christ Jesus, but we just see this on Father's Day. What a picture. of David says, let me sing to you about, let's sing it together, who our God is. He, he just... He didn't just see my unformed substance. God himself put that together. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. The care of, of God's power. The intimacy of his power for us should overwhelm us. And we should be open to. If you can do that, what else do I need to release, in, into my, and it, release to you and say, I trust your power to do that? Whether it's stepping out in faith in a ministry or work in your heart or in your mind or with a wounding, I trust your power. Look at what you can do. Look at your care. When nobody else cares, his care. 
And, th- and it goes to this last one. And I, I, if you're looking in your notes, this is not a word. I made this up. Okay, I admit to you, I made this up. But I, I can't, you can't miss this here about who God is. He is all relating. You see it in verse 1, 16. You really see it. It's more than just that he knows all things. It goes further than that. Right? I want to be known by him. You search me and you'll see it in other verses. But I love this reminder too. It's not just that he can't be escaped, but that he wants to, fi- to find us where we are. I can't remember if I shared this before, but I remember hearing in 1981 uh, there was a... a huge search for a car thief and I mean they pulled in everybody in California for this search and you would think if you've watched TV there's a there's a robbery of a somebody takes a car like every other day and they follow it with all the news cameras all the time but I mean every car every police car who was available they were going after this car was it because it was an important car No, it was because he was an excellent thief and they wanted to get him. No, it was because the driver of the car in the back had crackers. And they were poisonous and were meant for the rats in his house. The police for a thief said, we've got to get this guy now before he takes a cracker. Before he nibbles on poison and dies. Somebody who was lost, somebody in sin, somebody in the darkness, and yet it's, it's, it's a full-out looking for, a desperate looking, not to punish, but to, to save. And you see that when Jesus says, let me tell you what my father's like. Not just like a shepherd who goes off for the one. Not just, not just like a woman who seeks for a coin. But let me tell you about this father. He's standing on the road. And we forget this. We talk about the compassion he has for us. The fact that he raced for his son. But we forget the first verses. He's looking down the road. I wonder how many times he was on that road for the prodigal son. Every morning, every afternoon, every evening. Could today be the day I'm searching for my child? We serve a God who doesn't just know everything by his power. He wants to be known. And he wants to know you. And he won't rest until he has that. David. David was searched for by God. Through Samuel, through Jonathan, through Nathan, through the Spirit. He knew what it was like to be pursued by God. God is always about trying to pull us back into relationship. I think I've shared it before, but that's the first question, really, after sin. What did God say after the first sin? Do you remember in Genesis 3? Do you remember what he said right after Genesis 4 that when Abel was killed by Cain? You would think both times he would talk about what was done. What did you just do? But what does he say in Genesis 3 to Adam and Eve? Basically is, where'd you guys go? Where'd you go? Cain, where's your brother? It's always, always God pursuing and reaching for relationship. And listen, if that's his work, church, how are you involved in that? Our, our, our calling to build disciples and to serve Jesus Christ, that's our calling. It's all to be caught up in that mission and purpose of God, and that's to redeem humanity, yes, but to reconcile humanity to, G- 
to God through Jesus Christ? How is it you and I in our serving and our giving and our praying and our teaching, how we do family life, how we do being a neighbor, how is it you and I are caught up in this work of calling people back to God? You just see them relating all over this psalm. That's what he desires to you. Yes, he's over. He knows all. He's all powerful. He's a God who wants to, to know you. I pray you're banking on that and believing that today. So what's our response then? In just that last part of your notes as we close this morning. As we said two weeks ago, yes, it's praise and it's gratitude. Yes, it's I want to be clear with my family and friends about who God is. There are things he is, there are things he is not. And there is so much confusion today about who God is. And so it's right for us to rehearse these truths, to remember these truths, so we're clear with our children, we're clear with our Sunday school classes, we're clear with our uh, uh, friends about who God is. But just one or two quick questions. Will you allow your hearts to be searched by God? I know in the busyness of our lives we sometimes miss that, or maybe sadly in our low self-esteem we don't think he wants to do that. But verse 23, we didn't get to that today, or verse 17, he speaks of his great thoughts about us. You can't even count them. You may not feel that way, but, we, but will we let him search for us, but also to search our hearts? Slow down enough in his word, in our prayer life, or with a small group or an accountability group to really hear what God is wanting to search out into our life, but also to speak into our, into our lives. But also... Um, it says something to us here, and there's so much here about sanctity of life issues. We didn't get to all those verses this morning. But just this gift of being made fearfully and wonderfully made by God. You go back to Genesis 1 and 2 about being made in his image. It does say something to his church about the care we're to have for our bodies and that our bodies are not ours and that our bodies are to be used for his glory. Our bodies are to be used in ways that, that are according to his plans and purposes. In David's day, those people who believed in many gods, basically you do whatever you want with your body. But David knew that God had drawn a line. This is what you do with your body. In Jesus' day, the, the Greco-Roman influence, you do whatever you want with your body. This stuff, the flesh, they would say doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is mind. And, and what Jesus would preach, what we're seeing here preach, is something radically different. No, the body matters. Your body, you are put together by God. And then also, too, then, that ought to shape that ought to shape how we treat other people. I, I love the stories of the early Christians in Rome. When, when, when there was disease or plague, so many of them stayed behind to care for the dying. You want to talk about raising, raising people's interest in the faith. When everybody else is scrambling, here are men and women of God who are risking to care. Why? They're, they're different from you. God fearfully and wonderfully made them. They're created in his image. They're of value. They may not know it, but I'm going to value them. They would throw away, literally throw away their children. And it was Christians who would go and intentionally search for them and take them home and raise them and care for them. Why? Because this is a child of God and God has put this child together and we're going to raise this child. 
We're tempted to misuse people. But we're also tempted to look the other way. I've loved this week in the life of our church to see so many of you giving towards mission, to hear so many people talking about how they're praying uh, for mission, to see so many people and read about volunteering. I don't know this praying pelican group. They're not going to our city. They're going into, we want to be a part of that. We're going to serve them and feed them every day. And we've got another one coming up. Make sure to sign up for that. I want to be, I want to be in a ministry where we say to the inner city, yes, we care for you. We're even going to feed and house your house teams to go and, and to be a part of that. Or to, to hear stories of our three mission teams uh, stepping out in faith or Risking. I did hear one story this morning when I came in from the Jamaica student team. Corey may be talking out of step. Was there a water? There's some water issues one day? Yeah. So maybe some people didn't get to shower a day or two. A junior high boy's dream. Uh, But for many of the women on the trip, doesn't matter. Maybe icky. But those kids in that place, they matter to God. And if they matter to God, they have to matter to us. The kids coming next week are not all going to be ours. If you haven't volunteered yet, I know Renee can use help because these kids matter to God. They are fearfully and wonderfully made. Let's be praying about that, but let's also be searching, Lord, how would you have me participate in that? I love the Psalms. It's, it's, it's to be a hymn book to guide our worship, but this morning we're reminded so much about who the Lord is and what he desires for us. Would you be open? Would you be willing to the Lord searching you? Would you be real with him? Do you trust that he wants to be present with you? Are you open to him working out his power in your life? How is it you and I need to not only be more careful with what we've been gifted, with our bodies, but also to not let a moment go by when we see a need or a hurt? because those are the very children of God. Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for this, your word, for what it tells us about who you are, what it tells us about who we are in you, how vast the sum of your thoughts toward us. We praise you for that. We know as David that as he closes this song, yes, there are things that we do that are grievous to you, that are that, 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 Father, we're sinners in need of repentance and forgiveness, and yet you love us. You're with us. You're searching for us, searching our hearts for our good. Father, we pray, whatever need, whatever response, Father, you would answer today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.